Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, it's me, Jess Parker Humphreys. And me, Chris Pilau. And this is what you can look forward to in episode four. We bring you all the news and stats from Fantasy League World, ahead of the final game week before the next international break. Phil Broughton, once a Fantasy League fanzine fame, joins us to talk about his league and the evolution of the game. And we're back under the bonnet of the Fantasy League motor with Neil Mansfield in part three, with all your questions and queries answered, and a reminder as to why we're, as ever, in a different league. All right, Chris, we are back. It's been a bad week for me. I'm going to rip the plaster off. It's been a poor week for me as a leader as well, finishing with minus one points. Minus one. Minus, minus one. Oh, you can even hear the smile in my face. It's not even smile directed at you. It's just a self. It's a smile for me that, that I'm smiling about my weekend. Listen, everyone wants to see the big teams fail, you know, and that's that's a burden that I have to shoulder. And sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and say, this week we didn't perform to the standards expected of us. Did you score any positive points? I got a Mitoma assist, but Pedro Porro. Yeah, mm. we all know what happened, the, the naughty night at Tottenham. But if it's your team who's sort of your real football team or your fantasy football team benefits, you kind of just write it off and say, well, at least Chelsea won. Uh, at least Chelsea won. And what about your league at the top of the, li- the at the top of the table? No longer forty points. No, but it wasn't a great weekend for most people. I'm now down to a twenty nine point lead, um, but my sister is coming up fast in behind. She had an incredible week, twenty seven points for her, um, really benefiting off that. Nicholas Jackson. She had, I thought she had Jeremy Doku, but she didn't. She's just picked up a load of other points from other places. But yeah, very, very good weekend for her. But still, it's working out quite well for me at the moment because it seems like people below me taking turns and having good weekends. There's no consistent challenger. But a good weekend for you. A good weekend for me. 18 points on the board compared to last time out. That's obviously a vast improvement. Now, it could have been 21 points. Uh, I hate to say that I didn't put Cameron Archer in my team the importance of the confirmation email when doing super subs I actually was pretty certain that I did that I that I wanted him and it's very easy to say this in hindsight that I wanted Cameron Archer to play and not Beto who doesn't really start for Everton but I didn't or I thought I did and I didn't read the confirmation email so big lesson out there read your confirmation emails but still I got 18 points Uh, I'm very happy with how it went Bernardo Silva, Bruno Fernandes finally scored a goal. Kulusevski, all the players I've been complaining about came good and, and I'm happy. And guess what, Jesse? I'm still in mid-table. I haven't really moved. I'm fifth. You didn't even go up a position? <laughs> I went up one position from sixth to fifth. Okay, There we go. That's all we can ask for. Step by step, Chris. I believe in you. This could be the slow march to a title. Maybe. You mentioned Jeremy Doku. Jeremy Doku, top point scorer on 11 points. What a brilliant game it was for him. Incredible. I mean, I watched all the... um, I was at Chelsea women's away game on on Saturday, so it was sort of all going on as I was driving home. And there was some other big news from the women's game, which meant that the whole of Saturday became very distracting to me. But yeah, I watched back his assists. And I think what was almost so crazy about them was that it just felt so routine. 
You know, it didn't even feel like this was a player who was like really going for it, putting in this incredible performance. It just felt like he was there to get the ball, have a little run, and then City's other players were just going to find their way around him and make the most of his dribbles. I don't know when what you thought, Chris, when, when City picked him up, but I, I assumed he would sort of be someone we didn't really see that much this season, but he's kind of become their star, at least in recent weeks. Yeah, you look at how they've dealt with the likes of Jack Grealish, Riyad Mahrez in the past has obviously left Man City and I thought he was just going to be on the conveyor belt of that sort of player um, who kind of comes in, maybe a bit of flash of something at the beginning and then you know cuts to Pep Guardiola on the sidelines with a frown on his face and then he, he, he's like, no, no, this is how we do it here and kind of takes the joy out of his game in the way that you've got to say he kind of did with Jack Grealish and this is someone who had Jack Grealish last season the season before he had joined didn't have a great start and I thought well no okay but the second season he'll come good like Mares did and even though he did and Grealish had an amazing season last year it wasn't a great fantasy league season you know in terms of getting goals and assists and so you know I avoided Grealish this season and so when Doku comes in I thought yeah I thought he's either going to come in and maybe not play that much because he's going to do what basically essentially what happened with with Grealish and and with Mares, or he's going to come in and just not really you know settle at all. It's not that I avoided him, but I was not really that bothered with Man City wingers. But he's playing in a way that's completely different. He is so quick. He's so fun to watch, but he's just so quick on the ball. He's so direct. It makes you wonder: is he doing what maybe Guardiola was expecting those other two that I mentioned, Grealish and Mares? to do because obviously it's about retaining possession but you've also you've got that element of direct so maybe Guardiola has found the perfect person I'm not sure well it's strange isn't it because the Grealish stuff it always felt like Guardiola was sort of molding him to be this less exciting player because that's what he wanted and so it's strange to sort of be two seasons along from that original signing and be bringing in a player who is very similar to sort of original Jack Grealish and seemingly he's being given off-leash opportunity to do what what he wants. I don't know whether, you know, how much of the Grealish stuff came from how much money was was spent on him. You know, players react to those price tags in, in different ways, right? And, I, you know, I think it's fair to say it's not like Grealish has been bad, but it just feels like Doku has this kind of freedom that it's very rare to see players in a, a pep system get. And I don't know whether that's just because, you know, Man City have looked a bit dull in front of goal at points this season that maybe Pep's sort of realising that that for now you know it is better to give a player maybe a bit more freedom because the system as a whole isn't working out and we should sort of asterisk this as being against Bournemouth but yeah a a fantastic weekend for him and and also a fantastic weekend or fantastic Monday night uh, for Nicholas Jackson who was uh, another top scorer picking up his first ever senior hat-trick I believe uh, for Chelsea as part of their Slightly strange, slightly dramatic 4-1 win over Spurs. It's very hard with a hat-trick like this, Chris, because this is one where, like, the context of the game is so... You can't take it away from the performance. But at the same time, this is a 22-year-old striker who's maybe struggled to find the net so far at Chelsea. And you've got to think it will be a big boost for him to to have scored three goals yeah um I don't know what your sister is like whether she speaks a lot about him or not but the 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 guy who's got Jackson in our league Sam 
he loves, you know, bigging him up, saying how he's the next big thing and, and really excited. Every time he scores, oh, he's a £50 million player, all of this. And so obviously he was desperately excited on Monday night when uh, Jackson got a hat-trick. But it, but it was a bit of a weird hat-trick with a bit of an asterisk around it, where kind of everyone else is just sort of like, yeah, sort of like rolling their eyes at him for getting this. And he, I, I think because people much prefer kind of, you know, taking the mickey out of a player who, whenever he misses so many chances, a bit like Neil Mopé. So what ended up happening on, on Monday night is that as Jackson scores this hat-trick, obviously all the sort of the Jackson chat kicked off in the WhatsApp group again about, you know, how brilliant a player he was. And a deal kind of goes over the line on Monday night on the start of our November transfer window, which takes place across a week uh, in November, where Mike offered Jackson plus eight million for Doku. So the two players we've just been talking about are now having a bit of a switch. And that happened on Monday night in our league, which is quite interesting and exciting. Where does your does your sister t- talk up Jackson as much as as much as Sam does? Well, she's a Chelsea fan as well, and I'm firmly in the Jackson will come good camp and kind of have been all season, but. I have not heard her talk him up loads, but I I don't want to stress she's maybe not following so closely. But she was watching last night, so now she probably is convinced that um, he he's the real deal. But I'm intrigued by your your transfer window generally. That's quite a fiery transfer, I think, to sort of get that going. What what are you looking? Are you looking to make? moves okay yeah so as a reminder how it works in our league is that once a once a month uh, across the week we make our bids for free agents on the monday we don't actually use the sealed bids machine on the website we kind of do our own version on on whatsapp using our independent adjudicator so on the monday everyone puts in all of the free agents that they're after. If you end up getting the free agent and no one else bids for them, then he's yours. If multiple people go for them, then a WhatsApp group will be set up and, and you have a mini auction. Obviously, that side deal ended up happening, which is, you know, between for Jackson and Doku. And fresh, hot off the press this morning, is all the news uh, of all the free agents that everyone has bid for. And I couldn't believe the players that people have gone for is essentially all the players that I've been deriding on this podcast with you for the last couple of weeks so Neil Mopé the most popular player that people are going for four people have gone for him but Scott McTominay as well Um, and I don't quite know if this is people because I mean these players have been scoring points the last couple of weeks or if it's desperation or not uh, and let me just get the list back open. So, yeah, Neil Mopé, four players have gone for him. Four players have gone for Jack McTominay. Three players, me included, have gone for Jack Harrison, a player that I've been moaning a lot about because I let go. And so now it looks like I'm probably going to have to pay to get him back. Simicas, and then the kind of... I mean, it gets sort of, like, worse as the list goes down. They're probably not worth a mention. And that is what's happening in the Garrett Lane Wine Fantasy League this week. It will all kind of, like, draw to a close on Friday. And I'm hoping to get Jack Harrison back into my team. Let's see how much money Neil Mopé and Scott McTominay go for elsewhere. I feel like the Mopé one in particular, that feels like so much recency bias coming in. You know, I feel like I'd be ready to put money on him not picking up any points for the rest of the season. It is recency bias, but recency bias was come, which comes with points. You know, a goal and an assist in the last couple of games. He is playing a lot. Maybe, if, like we said last time, if Tony ends up leaving Brentford... It could be that he becomes more and more the star man. He's picking up the fitness. Maybe, you know, he's back in the gym after last week, sprinting all the way to goal, like we spoke about. Maybe um, 
you know, he'll slowly come good again for Brentford. It's funny with Neil Mope because I was thinking about him and I know we spoke about him last night. I kind of like felt bad that we'd been speaking about him in that way. You know, he used to play for Nice uh, back in the day and, and I used to commentate a lot on French football back then and so I was like I'm just going to search because like I, I used to be like this sort of this young talent I used to email myself my commentary notes and so I looked this up uh, yesterday I just took on like did a search in my email for, for his name and sort of like the little list of notes that I had from him so this was a, back, a game in 2014 and this is my way of apologising almost to Neil Mope and it's got a you know it's got a few stats in here and how he became the youngest ever goal scorer second youngest goal scorer in Lee Gown back in the day how he'd just run Carvalho ragged in a Coupe de France loss against Monaco. And then this line, reported interest from Real Madrid and Juventus, contract until June 2017. Neil Mopé maybe is back then. I kind of highlighted that he was a player to watch. I can see him coming good again for Brentford. He was very good for Brentford uh, when, he, when he used to play for them. Maybe he'll get his Real Madrid or Juventus move one day soon. Maybe, finally. I mean, it would be bad if he went there in January, that would be for sure. But I guess also looking forward to this final week that we've got before the international break, one thing that I think is interesting, obviously, that comes out from that Spurs-Chelsea game last night is Spurs are in a tough position now, potentially, because there'll be no Romero for them, there'll be no Doggy for them. Mickey van der Ven looks like he's going to be out for a while with that quite horrible looking hamstring ping James Madison went off injured as well um do we think this is sort of the end of Spurs's very bright and impressive start to the season I mean it definitely is the end in that they're they're not unbeaten anymore and and yeah they're gonna have they're gonna have to struggle through there they were the last team to play last weekend and then their first team to play back they're playing at 12 30 against Wolves away from home on Saturday um, is an interesting one because you know that I don't think that their form is necessarily going to drop off a cliff now with those players who are missing and and let's see how long Madison is out for if he is out for a prolonged period of time but it could also be one where you kind of you ride on how well they have been doing and and how brave I know a lot of made it was made about um, about Ange Postacoglu's tactics and perhaps go on to that in a second do you kind of ride on the success that they've had so far this season and one of those players that I mentioned in our transfer window is Eric Dyer you know Eric Dyer wasn't getting a sniff and then suddenly there's a there's an opening for him late last night someone in our league said okay I'm going to go for Eric Dyer here because they reckon that he would they would get defensive points so I'm not sure I don't think it's as it's as simple as as that and and maybe you could have a look at their performance and how they carried on playing the way that they did after they got one man sent off two men sent off on Monday they'll be looking to continue the way that they did play against Chelsea you know right until the bitter end yeah I mean there's there's certainly obviously a lot of good feeling still around the club and Wolves is potentially a good place to be heading in terms of dealing that with that they lost to, to Sheffield United. Fabio Silva looking pretty distraught, sort of for giving away that that penalty at the end. So maybe this is a good place to bounce back. But I guess the the other thing from that Spurs Chelsea match is a silly win for Chelsea, but also a big win for Chelsea, who who now host Manchester City in probably the standout game on Sunday. But we've already talked about Jeremy Doku and looking back at sort of the first ten minutes. Chelsea's defence looked very, very rattled early on by 
by Spurs. Do you think Chelsea can can spring a surprise? Well, firstly, I bet Doku doesn't play in this game, and that he does actually bring in Jack Grealish, which is set to, which seems to be happening. Uh, sort of like the big trusted games, he won't play Jeremy Doku. But then again. Who knows who he's going to play? You know, every time the lineup gets announced for City, if you've got City players, and I imagine most people will have one, two City players, it, it really is. You're almost celebrating if if your player is playing, and I had that with Nathan Ake last weekend, and we'll see Jeremy Doku owners whether they're cheering, you know, celebrating or not on Sunday. And we spoke before about the the game against Bournemouth last weekend. Um, also worth noting there that. You know, it was uh, it was played at home for City, and that was the twenty second home win that they had in a row. This is now away from home. It's almost like Villa, like we spoke about last time. But I just think there is a naivety to Chelsea. Man City just looks so far ahead. It's hard to see now. City are back on top of the league. I just I, I can't see where already. I just can't see where City are going to slip up if Chelsea is the sort of team that they that they will slip up against. Because we spoke about Jackson earlier as well. We keep talking about the main the same players here, but but Jackson is not going to be afforded that many chances against Man City. I just don't think that he will. Yeah, I definitely think that that that's going to be the problem for Chelsea. Is they're still not a clinical team, although. Cole Palmer obviously scoring another penalty last night as well and he'll be returning to Manchester City. Well, no, the game's at Stamford Bridge, but Manchester City will be playing Chelsea. So a meeting with his old team. I I noticed that he's already played more senior minutes for Chelsea than he ever did for City. And he does seem to be slotting in very, very well. So that will be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Any other games... um, from the from the weekend coming up that stand out to you, Chris? No, other than the Neil Mopé show, uh, Brentford away to <laughs> Liverpool. We'll see. Um, I, I think that there are some some players potentially you could kind of uh, look to target. You know, is Marcus Rashford Man United at home against Luton? Is this the game where suddenly Man United really do turn the corner? I know that they won last time out against Fulham, but it was you know right in the dying. Seconds, the dying minutes of that game. Spoke about statement we wins last weekend. They really need one here at home against Luton. So maybe there could be big points there for the likes of Marcus Rashford if he's playing, of course. Focusing on the, the big teams here. Two teams that played each other last weekend, Newcastle and Arsenal. Newcastle looked incredibly organised. And you're starting to see I spoke about the transfer window in the Garrett Lane Wines Fantasy League this week there's not there were hardly any players to kind of pick from from Newcastle because I think so many managers are kind of like spreading their bets now with Newcastle they've got a strong defence I've got Nick Pope in goal um, in terms of getting clean sheets which come few and far between to come this uh, this season kind of they're starting to get impressive from players who don't usually get points Joel Inton Livermento Richie suddenly playing so I think Newcastle is definitely a, a team to target and they're away to Bournemouth and then Arsenal who obviously lost to Newcastle last weekend something about the goalkeepers is quite interesting now because we spoke about it earlier in the season the sort of like the Ramsdale Raya thing I mean, Raya isn't handling himself particularly well is he if you've got Arsenal defenders is it something that you're starting to worry about um, and generally with goalkeepers I don't know who the goalkeepers are that you're like the goalkeeper owners that are really confident now at this stage into the season just over 10 games I think Nick Pope my one is one of them to be honest and Edison but beyond that 
I don't think there's a goalkeeper that people really could stand behind of of thinking, okay, here's a guaranteed clean sheet coming this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I've already obviously dropped one goalkeeper for another and Sanchez hasn't... I kind of picked him up at a time when Chelsea, I think, were looking a bit better defensively and they've gone into this pretty tough run of games. So I'm not really expecting to get clean sheets soon but I think it is hard because there's just not a lot of of goalkeepers to to look for um you know I pinched Sanchez off my dad who'd who'd wanted him because he picked up Kepa in the the auction who'd obviously then gone to Real Madrid and he ended up having to get Ariola. and I you know I think that just says about the sort of uncertainty and that within terms of goalkeepers who's starting in terms of defenses not looking great um, on that Newcastle point as well I'm sort of in a position where I think I'm gonna have to get rid of Sven Botman when my next auction comes up at, at the start of December because he's sort of in this unclear undefined period of absence where they're not really sure when he's going to come back and it will be interesting to see obviously you're talking about you know different players coming in but whether the the amount of injuries Newcastle have does start to take the toll on them as well um but yeah I think it would be an interesting weekend obviously I think always before an international break the pressure ramps up because no one wants to be the team that everyone's talking about them for the you know the entirety of the next week as sort of being in total chaos and I think you're right to sort of pick out United as being the ones who maybe really need that statement win uh, especially given they're playing Luton you know you look at if if Chelsea lose to City I don't think anyone's going to really be surprised by that so um, and I guess maybe Arsenal against Burnley that does on the face of it look like it, it should be an easy win for them but again you know Arsenal have had some not great results recently so they'll want something convincing there uh, I think heading into that international break that's really unfair maybe on Luton by the way who we haven't spoken about who got a really good result against Liverpool last weekend as did Sheffield United I mean some of these that those smaller teams in inverted commas did actually do well last weekend Nottingham Forest against Villa and perhaps fans of those teams will feel like missing out if we don't mention that having said that Man United at home to Luton if that doesn't go Man United's way, then then a lot of things could change very quickly at Man United, I think. Yeah, I think that will be a really, really interesting one to see how it plays up. But that wraps us up for part one. In part two, we'll be joined by Phil Broughton to talk about the Shanters and Slappers Premier Alliance. So the In A Different League podcast has been running for a few weeks now. We're getting in touch with our community and shining a light on what makes this version of the game, well, the only version of fantasy football to care about and love. And as we know, it's a game that goes back decades, back to the early 90s, where the game was played on paper, landline phones, fax machines, and all that cutting-edge technology. Well, back at the start, there was no podcast, of course, but there was a fanzine, and we're delighted to have with us today one of the co-editors of 30 Point Weekend, to not only discuss that, but also tell us about his league, the Shanters and Slappers Premier Alliance. Phil, an incredibly long intro for you there. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, and uh, been looking forward to this. I think we'll start off with that, with with the fanzine. We'll obviously come on to talk about the league, but when we found out that someone was coming on from the original, as, as Jesse put it last week, the precursor to this podcast, we were excited to hear about it. Presuming you're one of the co-founders as well, do you want to tell us a bit about, about it, why it started up and, and how you got working on it? 
I started playing Fans League in 1992, and I, I can't remember when it was, but we started doing a, a fanzine. There's me and a friend called Dave handing it around the people who played. It was also there to try and drum up a bit of interest. We, we had big aspirations of having more divisions and stuff, so it was a, a way of creating a bit of interest within the company. And I think Dave sent a copy off to Andrew, if I remember rightly, and also Radio 5. He read it and he was impressed, and I think him and Dave got together and agreed a meeting which was in a pub just outside Sheffield railway station and drew quite a few pints of Guinness that day and we decided to go for um, another 30 point weekend so it came out of Bring Me the Head of Jimmy Hill which was the fanzine that we created at, at Ron Seal. So people who might not have ever got their hands on one of these fanzines what kind of things were were you covering off? Oh, it was just complete nonsense. <laughs> I mean, we even got... We, we had a cartoon strip that featured mainly a, a manager called Terry Vegetables. There's a couple of bits of serious bits in there, like, you know, the team of the month or whatever, that kind of thing. I was doing the kind of the facts side of it, and, and Dave was... He was always a bit off the wall and, and did all the really silly stuff. And we even got, you know, as I say, we got a cartoonist involved, and we paid him out of the money that uh, Andrew was paying us. <laughs> it sounds like really pure dedication to the game. And, and, and the name, 30 Point Weekend, is something that's still talked about. There were, there were people who on social media tweeting about this hallowed ground of a 30 Point Weekend. Neither Jesse nor I have, have hit 30 points on a weekend so far this season, I don't think. Um, but uh, do you want to talk us through that name and whether it's still kind of this cult target of 30 points and, and how and why you came up with the name? It's something you still talk about now. Oh, yeah, it was. It soon became apparent 30 points was, you know, what you wanted to hit if you were going to be serious about winning the league or anything. You've got to remember it was at a time when uh, all these fanzines were flying around and they had all sorts of wondrous names. 30-point weekend, I think I might have had quite a few in the early days, but I certainly haven't had any this season. I've got Ollie Watkins as well, by the way. I just had a quick look. I think I don't think anyone in my league's got one. Yeah, I think the closest anyone has got is 29 points. I'm, I'm starting to wonder, did maybe the... I don't know. Things, is Fantasy League just not as free-scoring, or is my league just rubbish compared to the hallowed, the hallowed halls of yours? Well, it's a strange thing, isn't it? Because there seems to be more goals around these days uh, certainly they're adding 10 minutes onto every game so there's even more more time to score more goals I'm pretty sure there are and the Sheffield United have been on the end of a thrashing that I've never witnessed before against Newcastle you know Manchester City 6 so why aren't more people getting 30 point weekends I don't think there's been one in our league either you said that you were the facts guy do you have a lot of those facts and numbers still retained in your memory do you remember do you kind of hark back to any of your, your old teams and the sorts of players who maybe were getting you your 30 points what I have on earth is the very first report that was sent but I've actually got the actual report from the first 17th of August 1992 my team was called Trumpton Town then do you want me to name the team? Uh, yeah absolutely yeah so this is your team Trump- so hang on Trumpton Town what, why Trumpton Town what does that mean? it was Trumpton Town then yeah I think it was a one-off season for that name I've kind of stuck with the same rough the same name all since which is Armitage Shankers but the team read from David Seaman of Arsenal, obviously Simon Tracy of Sheffield United, Kevin Gage, I think Sheffield United at that time, Brian Lowe's, Rob Jones, Tanner, I don't know who Tanner is, Keith Curl, wow. Holden, David Batty, Mike Manaman, Whitehouse, Dane Whitehouse of Sheffield United, that is, Niall Quinn, Alan Shearer, Mo Johnston, I'm not sure, and Nigel Clough. Tell us about 
the Shanters and Slapper Premier Alliance? Yeah, when I left Bronseal to move down to London in year 2000 and I was kind of forced into joining a badminton club that two of my brothers were involved with. I tried to play with the old league, you know, back in Sheffield, but I didn't feel part of it anymore. So um, I kind of thought I'll, I'll start my own. I didn't actually play with Fantasy League that first season. I just tried to do it myself, but it was an absolute nightmare. We got through the season, then I persuaded them all to part with a bit of money and we joined up back up with Fantasy League again. The badminton club was called the Shanters Badminton Club because they like drinking quite a lot. Another drinking league. Oh, they did. And I'm afraid the slappers part came from my ex-girlfriend and my brother's wife who joined up. It's representative of another time and I really apologise if it's offensive to women, but that's, they were quite happy to go with it. But I was all for, you know, getting women involved and stuff like that. So The league isn't going to be rebranded anytime soon. Oh, it's, you know, it's difficult and it, I, I kind of prefer just to go by the SSPA part, you know, the initials these days. Very sensible. And how are you doing in the SSPA at the moment? There's 12 teams in our league and I'm seventh. thought I got a really good squad this season, but they're just they're just not moving. We have all sorts of things. We have the main league, like most of the leagues. We have a knockout, we have head-to-head, and we have another one, which is just the goals. We call it the Onion Bag League. And back in 2014, I won all four competitions. I don't think I've won anything since. You haven't got any Sheffield United defenders, do you? I haven't got any Sheffield United defenders, but my Sheffield United boys did actually come up with five points between Cameron Archer and uh, McAtee. The Brighton defender, Veltman, minus five. I mean, I can't understand why Brighton are shipping so many goals this season. I thought they'd be um, pretty solid. <laughs> I've got Origi in my side. I don't even know why I've got him. Beto of Everton, bit of a disappointment. I thought he was going to come in and um, get a lot of points. Yeah, as a Beto owner as well, you kind of, I'm happy for Calvert-Lewin, but not over, not over the moon that he keeps playing in all the games and starting. I mean, obviously, you, you did the, the fanzine back in the day and you're still playing the game now it seems a very important part of your life can you kind of like put into words like what, what this sort of what this game means to you yeah what it means to me is meeting up with because we have mini auctions scattered across the season like, you know four mini auctions as well as the main auction it's basically meeting up with them it's amazing how it, we're generally mainly friends a lot of us because of fancy league because one by one people have joined people have come and gone i guess we've had about 40 odd people in our league since 2000 i think the football's kind of secondary these days it just provides that reference point really for a lot of people to get together having played so long i guess maybe to to sort of finish off what bit of advice would you give people if you if you want to win anything i think you've got to do a lot of research before the main auction that's something i've got worse at over the years and i think it, it shows in my performance as a manager I'm thinking that the people that win our league are the ones who watch a lot of football. For me, it's mainly about enjoying it and, and enjoying the auctions. Well, look, Phil, I mean, unless you can give any tips on, on what Sheffield United players to, to look out for this weekend. Yeah, well, I mean, basically, Cameron Archer's going to score goals. He, he doesn't get that many chances, but he seems to put them in. So I think Cameron Archer. If Sheffield United stay up, um, maybe you'll be so ecstatic you could bring back the fanzine for one special edition of the fanzine this season. We look forward to seeing it. And we, we look forward to seeing the cartoon strip, especially of, of Sheffield United staying up. Well, I, sorry, what I never mentioned is I do actually do a website for this, which I try to update with the kind of the similar kind of stuff. The cartoonist, I never saw him after. No, I never saw him after that. It's great to hear how dedicated you are to this game, and we'd love to hear about your leagues all your, all the listeners if you'd like to join us to tell us about your league your website your fanzine your podcast whatever it may be then please do get in touch 
at podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk. You can also reach us on social media at Fantasy League. We're also still on the hunt for any famous players. Maybe someone in your league used to be a Premier League footballer. Maybe someone in your league was the cartoonist from the 30-point weekend uh, fanzine. We look forward to hearing from you. Please do write in and let us know. Welcome back to part three of In a Different League. And we are once again joined by Neil Mansfield. He is fresh from the mountains. Um, Neil, how was your was your trip? Were you still able to check how many points you were picking up in Fantasy League? Yeah, yeah thank you. Thank you. Uh, cheers, Jesse. Hi, Chris. Uh, it's nice to be back. Although I'm not sure whether everyone thinks the same of that. But nevertheless, I'm here. Um, yeah, it was a nice, uh, a nice couple of days up in Snowdonia. A uh, bit of sort of uh, hill walking, that sort of stuff. So it was nice to uh, to get some fresh air. Quite windy, I would say, with the storm coming in. But I suppose there's a nice link in there, isn't it? It allows me to blow my trumpet a little bit. I'm delighted to have both Doku and Silver in my dregs team. So uh, I managed to crawl off the bottom of my league remarkably. That's despite um, more goalkeeper shenanigans. Yes, I, uh, I'm, I think I'm on to my fourth goalkeeper. So having ditched Sam Johnston, um, I decided to bring in Vicario. <laughs> yeah, who managed to uh, record a, a minus three uh, this week. So I'm delighted about that. That's one of those goalkeeper killers where they have a really good game and it's not really their fault that they have so many minus points. So I empathise with you on that one, Neil. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting to see whether or not there's anyone who has had more goalkeepers than me this <laughs> season. Uh, to be perfectly honest, I think I started off with uh, Kepper. I think I then moved to uh, the Brentford keeper, Flecken. And then obviously we had the Johnston debacle. And then I've uh, I've gone to Vicario. So we'll see where we go next. You say Johnston debacle. He's still the best performing goalkeeper on the game, by the way. Moving on, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I... I, I I think Jesse hit the nail on the head earlier on. It's it's really difficult. I think goalkeepers, you you really try and find someone, you know, alongside the sort of the the I don't know the Beckers uh, or the Allisons from Liverpool or somebody like that who's going to really you know get you some good points. Perhaps you're hoping for that to sort of pick up a, maybe a a run of uh, of clean sheets. But yeah, perhaps Vicario was. Um, a jump too far, especially looking at their fixtures for the next couple of weeks as well. Quite a difficult run. Well, talking of runs and, and, and research, uh, one of the things we'd like to talk about in this part is we've had a message come in from Christopher Boyce, who says that he loves listening to the podcast series so far. And he'd like to know if the team could suggest any additional resources, blogs, podcasts, sites, fanzines, maybe even, uh, used by managers, because he talks about himself themselves being this league in isolation yeah they'd like to know kind of like where to get the information from i don't know where where you stand on this as well neil but you know obviously our version of the game is is different to fpl where you know there are so many websites and and podcasts and all sorts but it's talking about very specific things relating to that game our way, way of playing kind of requires a bit more intuition and kind of going around looking for specific things, be that injuries or or, or also kind of, I, I feel that you kind of want to be looking up to see what fans of particular clubs are saying about their players and, and who's playing particularly well, who who might be starting to um, to start 
because it's all about the starters in our league. Where do you stand on that? And I know that you've got something to say about injuries as well, which is a very big part of our league where, like I said, starting is so important. You want your players to be in your starting 11. Yeah, it's really interesting because, you know, leagues are so unique. You know, you're not competing, you know, against, you know, 400,000 people having exactly the same team as you, thankfully. It is all about ensuring that your players are on the pitch. You know, you can get them, you know, playing. So injuries, I think, probably becomes the the number one concern for, for your team. And we get into a sort of a regular habit of listening to the manager conferences on a Friday. Um, before we update our injury section. However, we do also use a resource. It's a website called premierinjuries.com, which I think probably most people will be aware of. It's run by a guy called Ben Dinnery, um, who has become sort of synonymous with uh, with injuries and, and the Premier League. And it's a really good resource for you to go to and, and utilise. And it basically lists all of the Premier League teams, the injuries that their players have got and the likely length that they're going to be injured for. So we use that as a a source sometimes just to double check what Premier League managers are talking about in their conferences on a Friday afternoon. And it can be quite useful um, just to give us an idea of, you know, whether or not the, the manager was talking nonsense, perhaps playing his weekend game a little bit, you know, in, in that particular call. But it is a good resource. It's there for you to dip into and, and utilise. Jesse, where do you go? What what sort of things are you looking up when you've got a sealed bids window coming up? I mainly sit in firm stats nerd towers. My Probably my most visited website is FBREF. Um, which for anyone who doesn't know, basically hosts Opta's stats in a fairly easy to understand way. So normally I'm looking for things like players who might be taking a lot of shots, picking up a lot of expected goals, but aren't necessarily turning goals or assists yet. But obviously sort of the way these kind of stats things work is that over time, most players sort of regress to their average. So that's kind of where I go to try and find players who maybe other people haven't picked up on yet, players who I think might be coming good in the next couple of weeks. Um, Something I haven't ever really thought about, but this podcast has prompted me to think about, is sort of the like fixture difficulty. And I think there are a number of sites. If you just search fixture difficulty rating, you'll find a variety of sites which will give you nice colour-coded assessments of Premier League teams' next run of fixtures. But I've never really thought about because obviously our sealed bids is every two months. I've never really thought about looking at sort of that run of eight games, say, that would maybe allow me to sort of bring players in and switch them out based on how easy the games they have coming up. But that's something that I might might have a think about for our for our December auction. I don't think it's also how difficult they are, but sometimes you can really capitalise. And you, you're right, maybe two months, you're not going to have as many, as many opportunities as, as you would have if it was every one month or even a lot of leagues who do every week but sometimes it's just trying to get hold of those like double or triple fixtures there might be a team particularly towards the end of the season who are playing three more games more than any other now if you've got a defender then that's obviously three more times worth chance of getting of conceding a goal but that but it's more when you've got attacking players it's like a free hit to take someone a lesser player who is playing more games in the month of March or April or whatever it may be because 
they'll have more opportunities to get you those points that's the way that i use like to use fixtures as well to, to look for that sort of thing yeah it's definitely an interesting one and the, the club media or like people who follow the clubs more closely is definitely something i do try and do especially before an auction at the start of the season i'll tend to sort of go through club specific podcasts listening double speed to podcasts is uh, a great help i find before an auction to just sort of like get those previews because it's just with with 20 teams in particular it's impossible to feel like you've really got an insight on everyone especially after sort of a summer transfer window when players have gone and come often I find that listening to people who are obviously a bit more embedded in the clubs makes it easier to figure out okay like this is the player who we think is going to start you know this is the player who they think is going to stand out it's obviously not a perfect science but I think it really helps you know Musa Diaby was the player that I sort of picked up at the auction for nothing um just because I'd seen Aston Villa fans who'd gone and watched him uh, in the in the Bundesliga saying, like, this guy's going to be amazing, um, which is just something that I wouldn't have had the time or inclination really to do. Uh, but that's obviously a bit more of a sort of pre-auction tactic that I try and go through. And Neil, going back to injuries, you can obviously track the injuries on the website as well, can't you? And those get updated regularly. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the injuries are updated on a, on a Friday afternoon when all the manager conferences have finished and they're available on the stats page on the website, which is actually a good place I, I tend to use quite often to check form as well. Now, I know you, you probably will be aware of who, you know who's who's scoring or who's providing assists or, you know, what club are getting clean sheets. But it's a good way of, of, of checking in on a monthly basis and just finding out whether or not there are players that you might have missed for your next round of sealed bids. Because it does itemise, you know, any any player, you know, their weekly score, their monthly score and their overall totals within that stats page as well. So it's a good little res- internal resource, if you like, as well to utilise. And that's not the only thing on the website. As of this week, Neil, there's, there's a new feature is, is back online. Yeah, new, new, old, old, new, whichever way you want to call it. Yes, the European competitions um, have now been drawn. So if you're in the Champions League or indeed the Europa League, those fixtures and the teams that you'll be playing are now available on uh, fantasyleague.com. And we will be digging into that because I will be the in a different league representative within within the Europa League uh, this year. So we'll have a little look at that uh, from my perspective in a couple of weeks' time. But for now, that wraps us up for the day. Big thanks to Chris, as always, and to Neil for joining us again, uh, to producer Simon and to Phil for, for jumping on to talk about uh, his league. As always, you can get in touch with us on email through podcast at fantasyleague.co.uk or on social media at fantasyleague.co.uk. But until next week, thank you for listening. 